busy. It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Let me know what's working. Join us on Facebook. Here's today's story. Susan Pryor snorkels, and this made the news after she went snorkeling in Emily Bay on Norfolk Island, which is located off Australia's eastern coast. She found a ring, a gold wedding band. She knew it was different from the rings she had seen, as it was covered in algae, for one. She usually sees cheap plastic rings from juice and milk bottles. It's sad because it's garbage people have thrown into the waterways. What was really unusual about this gold ring, she said, was the fact that it was being worn by a fish like a collar. It was a sand mullet fish with the gold ring around its neck. Susan sadly sees fish wearing garbage, frequently, the plastic rings, and she's constantly urging people to take care of the environment. However, the gold ring was something new to her. Susan said the ring likely got caught on the fish while it was searching for food on the ocean floor. Sometimes these rings get into the wild, and this is the sad consequence, she explained. Mullet snuffle through the sand, looking for food, making it so easy for a ring or hair tie to flip over their nose and get stuck. After snapping photos of the fish, Susan returned to the land, where she remembered that someone had posted on a community social media page earlier that year about a man's wedding ring that had gone missing in the bay. As it turned out, the ring belonged to a man named Nathan Reeves. Reeves lost the piece of jewelry around Christmas while swimming at Emily Bay with his wife, Susie. In order to get the ring back to the couple, Susan said someone will have to catch that fish in a net before carefully removing the object from its neck. It'll be no easy task. The mullet is very skittish and keeps on the edge of the school. No news as to whether the ring has been retrieved, but I'll let you know if I hear of it. I'm just glad there are people out there watching for the fish. And maybe that can be your step today to make someone's day. Remember the fish and the animals. Dispose of your garbage properly. Not a typical happy headline, but maybe one to make you think. Thanks for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-280-0532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. It's a football Friday, and the game of the year is at Camdenton as the Lakers and Lebanon Yellow Jackets go at it. 14-0 between them. Both teams 7-0, ranked in the top 10 in the state, and there's a whole lot on the line. The conference championship, first-round playoff bye, and they're both in the same district, so maybe uh, home field playoff advantage as well. Camdenton, Lebanon, you can see the game on Lake TV tonight. The COMC pregame show at 
13. Kickoff at 7 again. Lake TV, the place to be for Camdenton and Lebanon tonight. Osage goes for five in a row at home against Southern Boone. Eldon is at California. Versailles at home against Booneville tonight. Tomorrow, the hockey season gets underway for the Blues. They're at home against Columbus. Then they'll head out on the road for the next three games with stops against the Kraken, Oilers, and Jets. Now, the Chiefs, of course, won on Monday night. They're 4-1, and one, but, man, they got a tough one coming up this week. It is the Buffalo Bills in town. Chiefs tied with Buffalo for the top record in the AFC. The only undefeated team in the league is Philadelphia, the Eagles. There are five 4-1 and one teams, of course, the Chiefs and Bills. Cowboys, Giants, Vikings over in the NFC as well. As for college football, both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. Georgia back up to number one in this week's poll. Ohio State is two. Alabama three after just barely beating Texas A&M last week. Clemson and Michigan round out uh, uh, the top five there. As far as baseball, the playoffs continue today. Division series in both the National League and the American League. KB is on TV. You know it. It's called What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. Got to check him out. It's greatness. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget to catch Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's got a whole lot of great trivia for you and so much more. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick, and streaming live all the time on your computer at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what, what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present-day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why it well it's because the news told us join professor jim paisley thursdays and saturdays at 6 a.m 2 p.m and 10 p.m for the true history professor program on 89.3 the key
Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. And good morning to you, you wonderful radio listener, you. And for those of you joining us on the uh, SRG Financial Advisors, Key Radio in-studio live cam as well. It is good to be here on this Friday morning, getting ready for a beautiful weekend. Yes, we are, all of you listening on 89.3 KRadio.live and the free apps for, well, Android phones and iPhones, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Check in with us at some point this morning. A lot of you do that, of course, on that uh, SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in-studio live cam, and it's great to have you with us. Let's uh, take a moment, check that weather forecast, get you ready for the weekend. Right now, looking at 46 degrees in Osage Beach, 45 degrees in Camdenton. Where will we end up today? How about sunny and 74? And then for tonight, some clouds, a low of 41, sunshine and 71 tomorrow. Sunny and 70 on Sunday, sunny and 51 for the high on Monday. Sunny and 50 on Tuesday, those lows, well, Monday's low of 29, Tuesday's low of 27, sunny and 55 on Wednesday with a low of 36. We look all the way ahead to uh, Thursday of next week with sunshine and a high of 66. And Friday, sunny and 69 degrees. Of course, you heard Chris Schneider talking all about the big football game tonight in Camdenton as the Lebanon Yellow Jackets are coming to town. Getting ready for the Camdenton Lakers and the Lebanon Yellow Jackets with all the implications that are involved. Yes, indeed, it is going to be a barn burner of a game. We invite you to get there early come out and support your team. I'll be wearing my purple, and I hope that you will as well. Getting ready for the Lakers and the Yellow Jackets with the Highway 5 trophy on the line. Both teams with the undefeated records. Somebody is going to go home with a uh, a mark in the loss column and let it uh, not be the Camdenton Lakers who have had a great season and are looking good. So, as I like to say, go Lakers. And uh, good luck to all of our high school football teams, School of the Osage, Eldon, Versailles, everybody in the area. Uh, best of luck to all of you tonight. 8.10 is our time, and we get the uh, program started, as we do from time to time on a Friday, with Bev Allen. She is joining us, Concerned Women for America of Missouri. Hi, Bev. How are you this morning? Good morning. Well, let's see if we can't uh, get her in here. Bev, are you with us? Well, hang on just one thing that I need to do. She's uh, she's there. I know she is. Let's try this here. <laughs> I think we've got you now, Bev. Good morning to you. Oh, and I was just so brilliant in my greeting to you just a couple seconds ago. I don't know if I could repeat that. <laughs> Good morning, Katie. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, of course, the organization again, Concerned Women for America of Missouri. So uh, a lot going on as always. I've seen plenty of emails coming through with things that uh, will be happening in the next month, certainly into the beginning of the month of November as we are getting closer and closer and closer to that general election. So, uh, Bev, what's on your mind this morning? Oh, well, I tell you what, we're on our way down to Branson, believe it or not, for a political training. So what better place to be in Branson um, for that, except that I am going to be headed to Camden County 
on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to coming down there and speaking to the Republican Club there. So it's a beautiful time to be driving um, through Missouri, talking to wonderful conservatives um, everywhere I go. So, yeah, we're all getting ready for the election. And, um, you know, um, this will be the first election that our House Bill 1878, the election reform bill that was passed this year, is in effect. And so everybody who votes on November 8th, uh, which we are encouraging everybody to vote on Election Day um, because we want to make it Election Day again and not Election Season. And only those who absolutely cannot be at the polls on Election Day, um, they can vote the absentee. But we want to have our um, photo ID this time around, and everybody will be using hand-marked paper ballots. And um, so it will be an exciting time. We've tightened up some things in Missouri. We still have some things to do regarding election integrity, but we're moving forward. Moving forward and election integrity, that's um, that's a big one. That's really a big one as far as uh, what uh, is on the line. And it will be interesting, of course, after the election to hear whether or not that uh, folks are uh, happy with the results and if they uh, feel those results may have been tampered with at some point. But uh, hopefully we're going to have a a nice, clean, easygoing election. Things are going to uh, go according to plan, and uh, folks will come out and vote. That is the, uh, the big part of all of this, making sure that people are getting out and voting. That is so very important. There are a number of uh, issues on the ballot, uh, not just the candidates that are running for office. And some of the candidates that you've already voted for need uh, your support as well. We had uh, some local elections in August, and uh, the implications from those elections are uh, uh, definitely something that uh, a lot of people uh, are looking forward to around the first of the year, especially here in Camden County, presiding commissioner, uh, prosecuting attorney, uh, some judges, some other things. But uh, you still need to make sure that you get out and vote. What uh, is the organization Concerned Women for America of Missouri doing to uh, to really rally the troops, so to speak? Well, we're just so focused on elections. I, um, it's hard to think that we're not doing anything else but elections. But before we get into the actual um, things that are going to be on the ballot, I do want to remind everybody that as we move forward with the election integrity, um, and one of our goals is, to hand count the ballots, uh, well, we need to be, those who are concerned about election integrity need to be election judges so that they're on the inside. I took my training in St. Louis County this week um, for the upcoming November 8th election and, again, was reminded how very important it is for us to be on the inside. You know, we have poll watchers and poll challengers, and those are all well and good, but guess what? Many times they are told to stand way over there or you can't do this. Sometimes they run into friction. But if you're an election judge, you are right there. So um, I encourage everybody to check with their county clerk. And, again, you don't have to be um, an election judge in your own county if they don't need judges then you can go to a county nearby. Uh, I live in Warren County, but um, I go into St. Louis County to be an election judge. And so you're right. When we're talking about August, we're pretty much focused on the candidates because that's when the candidates are chosen for the most part because there's very few um, districts left in Missouri that are you know kind of equally between Democrat and Republicans. So whoever, so for the most part, the candidate um, selected in August will be the next rep our senator from, from that 
district. But now we're switching. You know, people are coming to the election, uh, to the uh, polling place on November 8th, excited about casting their vote for their favorite candidates. Want to remind people that if you get there um, and and you don't, you know, you don't have to vote for everything. A lot of times people think it's a, a test that you have to fill in every circle. Um, and some things, you know, if you get there and are surprised, um, you don't have to vote in that particular thing if you don't know um, the candidate or if you don't know the um, issue. But hopefully after um, CWA of Missouri and, and other organizations around the state get the word out about the um issues that are in the ballot. People will walk in already knowing how they're going to vote on the proposed amendments and uh, even the judges in, in this case. So so you want to start with the um, amendments that are going to be on the, on the ballot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there are three that have been proposed by the General Assembly. Uh, the proposed amendments 1, 4, and 5 were placed there by our Missouri General Assembly. There's two ways to get on the ballot. Um, either um, the Missouri General Assembly places it on the ballot through a joint resolution or something can be put on the ballot through the initiative petition process. And that's where it boils down to basically you get enough signatures on, uh, on an issue and you can get that on the ballot to be voted. And I, someday we're just going to have to talk about the initiative petition process altogether because that's going to be one of the focuses in um, January when we go back into session, because right now we can change our Missouri Constitution with a 50% plus one vote. And that's, uh, that's been too low of a threshold. We've been talking about it for years to raise that threshold. Um, but it's, now that the initiative petition process has been captivated by outside um, Missouri special interests, we really do need to um, step up the game to, to fix some of those things that, that need to be fixed to keep outside interest from change going around our Missouri state legislature and getting things um, passed that they can't get passed through the legislature. But anyways, back to Amendment 1, that's basically, now we are blessed uh, to have a wonderful state treasurer at this point, and he has um, just recently, and of course this week, it's been acknowledged that many Republican states have told their investment companies that have been going woke on them that they're not going to invest with them anymore. So we have um, that very same scenario here in Missouri that um, Scott Fitzpatrick, our treasurer, has said we're not going to invest with companies that go against Missouri's values. So um, we're thankful for that. But in the future, if we have a treasurer who may not be so inclined to stand up so strongly. Um, the, this Amendment 1 is going to give the General Assembly a little bit more leeway on um, input when what the treasurer can do. Um, so that's, uh, I, I will be voting yes on that one. Now, I'm, I'm telling you personally I'll be voting on that. This is not CWA taking a stand, but personally I will be voting yes on that. And should I go on? Okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have amendment. Yeah, and amendment four is, and that one that one's a little bit fuzzy for me. Um, I know the intent is because Kansas City um, has been wanting, you know, they've been defunding their police and, and scaling back and such, and so the Missouri General Assembly is doing what they they can do to prevent that from happening. Um, I I sometimes. Um, cringe a little bit at changing a constitution to correct a problem that is uh, a local problem. 
Um, but, um, you know, they, they are doing what they think they, they can do and have to do to keep um, Kansas City and eventually St. Louis from cutting the budgets of their police department. So, you know, that would be, uh, I would think most people would want to vote yes on that just because they want to show the support for the police. But that will be um, a change in our Constitution. And then, of course, the number five, proposed amendment five, is generally just placing the National Guard um, a place at the table, making it in the cabinet position, giving its own department. Um, and Adam Schnelting, Representative Adam Schnelting, was the sponsor of that. He's in the Missouri National Guard, and um, he's just trying to have a place at the table so that they can be a part of um, having a little bit more power. Um, now, um, our, gen our um, governor is, is actually the um, commander-in-chief of our Missouri National Guard, so it's kind of exciting to know that even, call even though it's called National Guard, that our own governor can determine when... Um, our troops are used and for what. So, mm -hmm. so those are the easy ones. Now, the tough one is Amendment 3. That was placed on the ballot by outside of Missouri, and well, actually some inside Missouri uh, special interests. Um, there's been an effort, of course, across the country and Missouri in the last few years to legalize marijuana. And, of course, a few years ago, we, uh, <laughs> well, no, um, Missouri approved the medical marijuana, and now the next step, of course, is recreational marijuana. And... There's so many things wrong with this, because even the lobbyists, well, you had even on a couple of weeks ago, um, even those who have been working to get the legalization of marijuana through the General Assembly are against this amendment because it sets up monopolies. Mm -hmm. um, those, many of those, and most of those, you know, um, who hold the licenses for the medical marijuana uh, facilities uh, will be ones getting the license for this. It really isn't a free market approach. Um, many people think, that, oh, I can grow my own, but they need to grow it inside their house. And I don't know too much about marijuana growing, but I understand that when you grow it inside your house, you have to use a lot of water, you have to use a lot of electricity. I don't know. So even the green needs to be even said if we have to use a lot of electricity. But anyways, um, and then uh, what it does, um, I can understand this part, is it sets up the office of the equity officer. It says within 60 days of this, of this uh, constitutional amendment going into effect, um, the department, which is the uh, Department of Health and Senior Services, shall appoint a an equity officer. Right. And many of us who follow the culture, um, we know that when that word equity is used, it's not equality. It's setting up, um, you know, um, I guess a reverse discrimination, if you will. And again, not free market. The problem with setting up in the Constitution is if we um, this would be the first time we use the word you know, the term equity officer in the Constitution. So once that's in our Constitution, and this person, this equity officer, is not really answerable to anybody. The General mm -hmm. Assembly can't recommend the equity officer, can't line out duties of that equity officer. It's really hands off. That that equity officer gets to do what that equity officer deems um, necessary for for that position. Um, but I can see in the future that other departments, Missouri departments, especially the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, um, could look at that and say, hey, um, we have parents across our, our state who want, you know, are complaining about the um, diverse um, equity and, um, oh, my mind just went blank. Uh, but we, we've got this in the Constitution, so we, are, we have every right to have equity 
um, officers or equity departments at, in the school district. So it's just something we do not want to put in the Constitution. This is a 38-page proposal. Yes, it is. And um, our, yeah, the Constitution, I think Ethan made this point. Um, he, he at least made it over last weekend when we had him in person in Warrington, that the constitutions are there to describe what the um, government can do. Not, you know, it's supposed to be an outline. It's not supposed to be putting in stat in the constitution what can be dealt with in statute and, and, and to restrict the people. It's supposed to be restricting the government. So uh, we just have a, a learning curve. Um, the people have lost their understanding of what constitutions are. So um, I'm a definite no on that one because there's just so many problems um, with making these changes into our Constitution. You know, the General Assembly can't even tweak. If down the road they see problems, they can't tweak it and, and change it because it's in the Constitution. It has to be another constitutional change. So, And then, one more thing. Okay. Given them we have the question, the constitutional question, every 20 years we're asked if we want to hold the Constitutional Convention on the Missouri Constitution, so this is the, that year, this is the 20th year, and um, as much as I'd like to get into the Missouri Constitution and whittle out some of the things that have been added over the years by the initiative petition process, uh, I'm not willing to risk the um, chance of, of um, opening it up because there's too many other special interests that would like to add a few more things in there, including the right to abortion. So I'm a no on the um, having a constitutional convention for the Missouri Constitution. There are a number of things in there, and I will tell you that going back to Amendment 3, the problem with that is it's not just about marijuana. It, uh, again, is a situation where uh, they have used marijuana as the uh, focal point, and then they have decided that it would be a good idea to... Uh, overload this uh, particular piece of legislation with all of the additional things that you mentioned. Uh, and, and, and that was the, the big aspect of, of a lot of this when we talk about uh, these outside influences that are trying to get, uh, get their foot in the door as far as uh, marijuana is concerned. Uh, most of that money that uh, these companies will uh, be making will be leaving the state. And uh, I guess, as is the case with anything else, regardless of what it is, the intent is to try and keep that money in the state to uh, to help us uh, at some particular point. And then you talk about the equity officer aspect of this. Uh, yes, there is an educational portion of this legislation that uh, I'm sure a lot of people aren't aware of. And uh, it does uh, incorporate things like critical race theory. And so you have to read these issues closely. And I think that's the biggest part of all of this is the fact that with the legislation, uh, people just, they hear a 30-second commercial. They hear a 60-second commercial. Uh, they see something on TV, and they automatically gravitate towards what it is that they're trying to push with the uh, the particular ad, and they don't take the time to read the legislation or know anything about it or at least talk to someone. And there are a lot of places that you can go online uh, if you are concerned about a particular piece of legislation to learn more about it. And I'm guessing in a lot of cases, most people won't. 
So we'll see on November the 8th as to whether or not Missourians have done their homework or they just saw, oh, we're going to legalize recreational marijuana and possibly. And, and here's another aspect of this. It does not guarantee expungement. Uh, for people who have marijuana record or, or marijuana offenses on their records, all it says is that they can apply for expungement. There's no guarantee that their records will be expunged. So again, read the fine print, folks, and make sure that you take the time yeah, to, understand. to understand. Go ahead, Beth. Thank, yes, and um, next time we'll talk about the judges. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you very much. Great to hear from you this morning. Bev Aylin, who is uh, with Concerned Women for America of Missouri. And uh, the key to all of this, folks, is uh, yet again paying attention to things. Don't just let the ads set the tone for you when you head to your polling place on November the 8th. And that goes uh, for the candidates as well. Maybe you're still kind of in the dark. Uh, of course, we've got the U.S. Senate race between Republican Eric Schmidt and Democrat uh, Trudy Bush Valentine. There are a number of things that you really, really, really need to pay close attention to. Hey, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll get some information for you, including uh, some happy headlines. And also, we'll take the time to hear from Chris Schneider with the check of sports. Chris, of course, with uh, Lake TV. Dave Moppin will be on the program this morning as well. And we'll take a little time to uh, spend with you on the other side of this bottom of the hour break to talk about, um, I believe it is uh, Representative uh, Lisa Thomas, who is going to be uh, hosting a town hall on lake-related issues. And uh, Donna Swall sent this over to me with uh, Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance. And we'll talk a little bit about this as far as... uh, uh, where and when and uh, what you need to be aware of. Uh, it is coming up on Thursday, October the 20th from 11 until 1 at the Osage Beach City Hall. So we'll run down that and give you some more information if you'd like to be in attendance for this particular event. We've got uh, lots of information coming your way, so let's get to it. And thank you, as always, for joining us. Feel free to pick up the phone and give us a call as we get through this information break and then give you a little time as well to jump on board at 573-633-5395, the key radio community hotline. It is all a part of what we're doing this morning on 89.3, The Key. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Yeah, Yeah, that's that sums it up. Here's today's story. Graham Nesbitt managed the local skating arena in Seaforth, Ontario. He routinely went above and beyond the call of duty, opening the rink early, staying late, and even in the face of snowstorms, he ensured neighborhood kids could get in as many hours on the ice as possible. Bonnie O'Reilly has two sons, and they skated there, and Graham kept an eye on them. They both went on to play in the NHL. Now Graham has retired from the rink. He retired in 2003, but people remember people that are good people. And when the community learned that Graham needed a kidney donation, they lined up to be tested to see if they might be a match. One of those people was Bonnie. Graham was diagnosed with Berger's disease nine years ago, a progressive condition that lessens the kidney's ability to filter blood. By 2019, the medication keeping his illness under check was no longer working. A kidney transplant became the 65-year-old's only option for survival. Bonnie was a match. 
She said to CBC, What you've done for my boys, helping them achieve their goal of playing professional hockey, it's the least we can do. The transplant took place just a couple of weeks ago on March 3rd. Both patients came through the procedure in good form and were soon on their way to recovery. Graham's wife, Pam, was deeply touched by Bonnie's generosity. She posted her thanks on Facebook. From our family to you and yours, Bonnie, thank you for the gift of a lifetime. Your selfless act means more than you'll ever know. Something my dad's always taught me is to be kind and helpful and generous to everybody, Joe Nesbitt told CBC. It just goes to show that those thoughtful acts and caring for people, it pays off. It truly paid off for my dad, and it saved his life. Yep, not a little thing, and not just a day, but definitely a happy headline. That is awesome. Hey, this is Happy Headlines. Thank you for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. It's a football Friday, and the game of the year is at Camdenton as the Lakers and Lebanon Yellow Jackets go at it. 14-0 between them. Both teams 7-0, ranked in the top 10 in the state, and there's a whole lot on the line. The conference championship, first-round playoff bye, and they're both in the same district, so maybe uh, home field playoff advantage as well. Camdenton, Lebanon, you can see the game on Lake TV tonight. The COMC pregame show at 6.15, kickoff at 7 again. Lake TV, the place to be for Camdenton and Lebanon tonight. Osage goes for five in a row at home against Southern Boone. Eldon is at California. Versailles at home against Booneville tonight. Tomorrow, the hockey season gets underway for the Blues. They're at home against Columbus. Then they'll head out on the road for the next three games with stops against the Kraken, Oilers, and Jets. Now, the Chiefs, of course, won on Monday night. They're 4-1, and one, but, man, they got a tough one coming up this week. It is the Buffalo Bills in town. Chiefs tied with Buffalo for the top record in the AFC. The only undefeated team in the league is Philadelphia, the Eagles. There are five 4-1 teams, of course, the Chiefs and Bills. Cowboys, Giants, Vikings over in the NFC as well. As for college football, both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. Georgia back up to number one in this week's poll. Ohio State is two. Alabama three after just barely beating Texas A&M last week. Clemson and Michigan round out uh, the top five there. As far as baseball, the playoffs continue today. Division series in both the National League and the American League. KB is on TV. You know it. It's called What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. Got to check him out. It's greatness. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows 
And don't forget to catch Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's got a whole lot of great trivia for you and so much more. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick, and streaming live all the time on your computer at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. I'm Bill Mundhausen for Creation Expo. A chapter of my book begins with the assertion that one of us is crazy. It refers to the culture conflict taking place in America today. We're divided politically into right-wing or left, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and progressives. Each side thinks the other is crazy because what the other side believes seems completely irrational to us. I would assert that the foundational division is between those who believe in God and those who don't. Believers see God's guidance and providence while non-believers depend on movements and causes to direct society's progress. Believers advocate morality and discipline while non-believers want a society without limitations. There is no middle ground. The question is what believers ought to believe. We need to understand different ways of thinking while also remaining true to our principles. We need to be peacemakers while also seeking to prevail. We need to save the lost rather than become lost ourselves. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio. 89.3 FM. The goal of Key Radio is to offer the community an opportunity to share information and to express their ideas and opinions. Key Radio presents a platform for all types of information. We encourage interested content providers to create podcasts that explain the finer points of business, family issues, arts and entertainment, religion, government, and more. Key Radio is also looking for unique and one-of-a-kind podcasts as well. Key Radio is based on positive and productive podcasts that encourage and inspire our listeners to become engaged in their community. For more information on becoming a content provider, call 573-280-0532 or go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. It's your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. That is one of the cool things that we do on Key Radio. and We take the opportunity to rebroadcast things so you get to hear them more than once. Or if you miss them, you get to hear them again. So uh, make sure you check out The Daily Show as it is live Monday through Friday from 8 until 10. Then, of course, as uh, you heard there in the little imager, 4 until 6. And how about the uh, midnight to 2 a.m. slot? If you're up late and you can't sleep, maybe I'll help put you to sleep. <laughs> Good morning, Courtney, Melody, Jason, uh, also uh, Heather, and Joe. The ladies checking in this morning. And, of course, Jason Jones, my buddy over there. Always good to hear from uh, him. He's doing great things around the Lake of the Ozarks. We've got uh, plenty of events coming up. 
Don't forget uh, what is happening this weekend. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, how about the big food truck festival at the Lori Fairgrounds? It runs tomorrow and Sunday. Unfortunately, this year uh, things have things have uh, made it so that I won't be able to make it out there. So I am counting on all of you to go out and enjoy that event and uh, get back to me on it and tell me just exactly what it is that uh, you saw, what you liked, some of the great food trucks that were there. We uh, want to thank Ashley Hayes again for taking the time uh, last Friday to talk to us about this particular event. It is huge. It is massive. It is uh, growing and growing and growing. And this is, uh, what's this, uh, the second, uh, third, third annual. They had one in the fall. They had one in the spring. And uh, this is the third annual in the uh, fall. And then we'll have a, hopefully another one in the spring. But this is just a great opportunity for these uh, food truck folks to get out and show off what they do and uh, maybe need a food truck for an event. It's catering on wheels. They pull up and take care of business or whatever it is you need done. A lot of these food trucks also show up at uh, various places throughout the course of the day. If you want to grab a bite, maybe some lunch, something along those lines. But this is just an incredible opportunity for you to uh, see the food trucks and uh, all the wonderful things, all the great food and beverages that they have available. There'll be some vendors there, vendors as well as uh, some live entertainment. That is tomorrow and Sunday at the Lori Fairgrounds. Now, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, it all gets underway at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach. It is none other than Suits for Soldiers. And I'm going to go over uh, here a little later this morning and visit one of the participants, Lisa Putnam, who has so graciously again uh, offered to cut hair. She does a fantastic job, and she will be out there along with a number of other folks. And if you know of someone who would uh, benefit from what's going on at uh, this Wonderful event. Make sure you get out there tomorrow, 9 until 2, the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach for Suits for Soldiers. Also going on tomorrow evening, and I don't know if they are sold out as of yet. You could probably uh, talk to the folks with the Medical Missions for Christ. They are located in the same building as the uh, Camden County Health Department. The folks right there off of North Business 5. But tomorrow night is their big trivia challenge, and I have been asked to uh, sit in for uh, Brandon Beck, who is going to be, as they say, on assignment, and a very important assignment. So they asked me if I would step in and emcee the event tomorrow night. I am happy to do that. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'll see all you smart people, and uh, I would encourage all of you smart people to bring your wallets and uh, pry them open as wide as you possibly can. And uh, let's help the folks with Medical Missions for Christ, their trivia challenge tomorrow night. It uh, will be in the Commons area at the Camden High School. So you can uh, come over and uh, enjoy a meal early on and then uh, sit down and rack your brains answering these wonderful trivia questions. Dave Moppin, who will be participating in the uh, trivia challenge, will join me here in a little less than 30 minutes. We'll have Dave on to talk about uh, his most recent edition of Among the Dogwoods and probably some other things as well. Lots going on this weekend. If I missed something, uh, you can check us out online, as a matter of fact. Uh, 89.3, keyradio.live, free apps for the Android and iPhone, so you can keep up with uh, what's going on here at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks, no matter where you're at. 
and I encourage all of you to check out the SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in-studio live cam. And you can find that, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, you can find that on my Facebook page. And we are also going to be putting it on other outlets here in the days and weeks to come so we can reach out to more folks and find out just exactly uh, what it is you folks would like to talk about this morning. It's always great to hear from you. Paula, good morning. She says, I am listening, and I am glad you're listening. David Thomas, good morning, sir. Good to hear from you as well. And thanks to everyone who has taken the opportunity to check in with us. And you can see me right now. Dave Maupin, as I said, will join us a little after 9 o'clock. I received an email from Donna Swall from the Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance. And this is uh, something that is uh, pretty important. A town hall on lake-related issues will be held by State Representative Dr. Lisa Thomas on Thursday, this uh, coming Thursday, October the 20th, from 11 until 1 at the Osage Beach City Hall. The state rep invites the public to join her and Lake of the Ozarks leaders for a follow-up meeting of the concerns and solutions identified through last year's series of lake issues meetings. Dr. Thomas has continued gathering information from residents Visitors, vacationers, and businesses in her district in an ongoing effort to resolve some of those concerns. Ameren, the Missouri State Highway Patrol, Water Patrol Division, the Coast Guard Auxiliary, and other local organizations and experts will be on hand to review the status of previously raised issues, receive citizens' updates, as well as any new concerns, and participate in an open forum discussion on establishing a Lake Watch program. Now, This um, Lake Watch program is similar to a neighborhood watch, includes volunteers who provide extra eyes and ears to observe boating activity in our area of the lake. Lake Watch volunteers would be uh, resources for neighbors and visitors who have general boating and water safety questions and could act as a point of contact to assist in the accurate reporting of safety violations. These citizen uh, volunteers would not have official law enforcement duties. That means you can't go out there and, and, and detain somebody if they're doing something wrong. Essentially, uh, they're asking for uh, people to pay attention to what's going on in the water. If you see something, report it, and uh, they will try to uh, get the proper uh, authorities to various situations or maybe uh, find somebody out on the lake who is doing something uh, like plowing or possibly boating while intoxicated, things along those lines. The presence of a Lake Watch program would raise awareness among the boating community to always open, I'm sorry, always operate according to regulations with courtesy to all lake users. The program would support safe boating practices while enjoying our wonderful Lake of the Ozarks, said Thomas. Camden Miller and surrounding county residents, business owners, visitors, and vacationers are all welcome to attend. They're is no RSVP required. If you'd like more information, you can call the representative's office at 573-751-3604. Again, State Rep. Lisa Thomas hosting the Town Hall on Lake-Related Issues on Thursday, October the 20th from 11 until 1 at the Osage Beach City Hall. Thank you, Donna Swall. Appreciate that. We need to check in with Donna. Haven't talked with her for a while with the Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance and the great work they're doing to preserve the water quality here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Very, very, very important. 
Also want to mention that uh, Adventures with Purpose are coming back. Those folks, uh, we had them in the studio. And uh, Mindy Sales was instrumental in uh, getting them in here. And they are going to be back in the Lake area again searching for Donnie Irwin. And Donnie, as you know, went missing some years ago. His body has never been found. And what Adventures with Purpose do is they go out and they go diving in uh, lakes and quarries and places where they feel uh, there may be some evidence of, uh, of a missing person. And they recently found uh, a missing person, I guess it was this week, in another part of the country. But they operate completely and totally on donations. And the support of uh, sales of their merchandise, which I have a Adventures with Purpose hoodie. And so I just um, encourage you to go to their Facebook page or their website, Adventures with Purpose, and to find out what they're all about. They actually, this kind of came about as an accident. What happened was uh, there was a gentleman who was a, a diver, and he was tasked with, uh, you know, getting wrecks out of, you know, places like lakes. And in uh, recovering a wreck, he also recovered remains in that wreck. And that's what started the whole Adventures with Purpose program. These guys travel all over the country. And they're going to be in town on Monday and Tuesday. And uh, we're going to take uh, myself and Megan Albers out. And we will... Uh, be filming a segment for the uh, upcoming What's Burning program on Lake TV. So this is this is pretty serious stuff. And uh, I, I think the best part of what they do is they offer closure to the families. If uh, someone has been missing, I think it's safe to say in a lot of cases that uh, they're more than likely uh, not alive. They've passed. But again... When you and this is a case with a lot of missing uh, missing persons reports, and that is the fact that uh, the family just wants some sort of closure. They want to know what happened. They want to find uh, remains of their loved ones, and be able to say that uh, you know we found the person. Now the family can uh, rest, so to speak, and so can that person that has been missing. So we will uh, be working with them on Monday, possibly Tuesday of next week, and have something for you on uh, on Lake TV on What's Burning. My show airs uh, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 p.m., 11.02 p.m., and we do a new show every Thursday. And if you have ideas, suggestions, you'd like to maybe get something in on this program of a guest or someone that you would uh, like us to interview, we'd be happy to do that. And the same thing for... Lake TV. So my email is kbsfree65 at gmail.com, kbsfree65 at gmail.com, or kb at mylaketv.com. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, thank you for the uh, hugs for Lightning the Wonder Dog. He's been taking it easy here. (laughs) He's been relaxing comfortably, uh, so to speak. He's got a new friend, and he and his friend, Delta, are uh, working at a fever pitch to to try and get along. And good morning, Delta, and Patty, and possibly Johnny this morning. B-B-J.
Went to Bryant Auction last night, and I had a great time. I got to say, it's always fun to watch Rick and the crew work. Rick and Bobby and uh, Bill Cassidy was there, and Brian and everybody that uh, works the floor while you go to the Bryant Auction. I haven't been to the auction in a sense where I, I just got to go and just be a spectator and bid on some items. Got a chest of drawers and a big rug for uh, my deck outside. Got some other miscellaneous uh, pots. And I think uh, we also came away with a crock pot or two. But we got a lot of fun stuff at uh, some nice prices. And if you, you know, and Rick does a fantastic job. Rick and his staff are top notch folks. Uh, of course, uh, we've talked to Rick plenty of times in the past. We need to get him back in here. I wonder if he'd be free next week to come in and just talk about life in general at the Lake of the Ozarks. But the thing about it is, is he is such a, a giving man. Uh, Rick and Angie, and of course, uh, Danielle and Dylan, his kids, and uh, the great uh, Bryant Auction staff, some of whom I uh, have mentioned here this morning. But it is always great to see these folks, always fun to watch them work their magic and get folks uh, to pay for things that uh, they probably never thought they needed. Well, you don't know until you go to the auction. You go, you look around. And, of course, uh, with the holidays coming up here shortly, Rick, and he does charity auctions year-round. He doesn't just do them around the holidays, but I know there are a lot of events that take place during the holidays that uh, Rick has been a part of for a long time, charitable auctions. They raise money to uh, provide gifts for kids and uh, take care of families for one reason or another. Uh, And he supports a lot of great organizations. He and his staff give back to the community that supports them. And he knows and understands how so very important that is. And so a shout-out to my good friend and the wonderful staff, Rick Bryant and Bryant Auction. They do an incredible job, as I said. It is 8.53. I was reading a story here this morning about uh, caregivers. And uh, stltoday.com has has the headline, The Cost of New Missouri Patient Visitation Law Skyrockets in Latest Analysis. One of the signature accomplishments of the Republican-controlled legislature this year was the passage of a law barring hospitals from prohibiting visitors during emergencies. The so-called No Patients Left Alone Act, which requires medical facilities to allow at least two visitors to be able to see a patient during visiting hours, was inspired by stories of critically ill Missourians who were prevented from seeing loved ones during the pandemic. And I always go back to the story, and this first happened... When the pandemic rolled around, there was a gentleman when I was working over on KRMS who called me and he had said that he and his wife, well, his wife was in assisted care. And when the pandemic hit, he couldn't see his wife. He couldn't, he could see her through the window of the facility. He couldn't go in and actually touch her and have contact with her and talk to her. I guess he could talk to her on the phone, but you know how it is. You know, you're, you're a patient in an assisted care facility and you're used to having family members come by or uh, visitors or friends or, or what have you. And then all of a sudden the pandemic rolls around and it comes to a screeching halt. And you can't see anyone. You can see them. They can come and look at you through a window. 
but they can't actually have that physical contact with you, holding your hand, hugging you, touching you. And I think people all realize and understand how important that is. Now, the uh, measure, when the measure moved through the House and Senate in May, the price tag was set at an estimated $1.9 million by nonpartisan, uh, nonpartisan legislative researchers. But a new analysis this week by the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services bumped that figure up to $20.9 million as part of the rollout of the rules for the law. The majority of the costs are associated with the distribution of gowns, masks, and gloves to the essential caregivers. There is, however, a major caveat in the latest projection. This fiscal note attempts to estimate a worst-case scenario, the analysis says. Under the new law, the regulations would kick in if a state of emergency related to infectious diseases such as COVID-19 has been declared. In calculating the new figure, analysts assumed that every licensed bed for each private hospital is at full capacity for the duration of the emergency declaration, which could last as long as six months. A hospital may, in actual practice, utilize less beds to address the state of emergency. This from DHSS officials. Now, the new law was among a number of legislative responses to the COVID-19 pandemic. Republicans who control state government, chafed at uh, federal guidelines that sought to slow or stop the spread of a disease that has killed more than 21,000 Missourians since 2020. An early version of the legislation, for example, would have banned health care facilities from requiring vaccinations against any disease in order to receive treatment. That provision was later removed from the proposal. Incoming Missouri House Speaker Dean Plosher a Republican from De Pere, made the caregiver legislation a priority, praising the law as a way to help vulnerable citizens. Excuse me. In signing the legislation, Governor Mike Parson did not mention the potential cost of the law to public and private medical providers. No individual should ever be isolated when in critical care at hospitals or care facilities, and we are happy to sign the legislation this uh, legislation to ensure that they won't be, the governor said in a statement. The new figures were put together with the help of information from the Missouri Hospital Association, said MHA spokesman Dave Dillon. He said the numbers could go up or down. For example, the costs uh, could be reduced if hospitals aren't required to provide personal protective materials. There are a lot of variables, he said. This was our best guess. Under the law, medical providers would still be allowed to place restrictions on visitors if, for example, the person was showing symptoms of an infection. The uh, law allows two designated essential caregivers to be with a patient during an emergency. Facilities also limit access to essential caregivers if the person fails to follow certain health protocols. In its analysis, DHSS said there are an estimated 21,600 beds in Missouri private hospitals and those owned by state and local governments. Dillon said the added costs for hospitals are unlikely to interfere with the rollout of the program. Plus, he said, the federal government could provide additional funding to offset costs to medical providers. It goes from $1.9 million to $20.9 Million. Does that surprise you at all?
Do you think they're um, somewhat bloated numbers here really address general concerns? Do you think there is a way that they could do this cheaper? To me, it almost sounds like, you know, you go from 1.9 million to 20.9 million. It sounds like there uh, might very well be, as they say, a devil in the details. I'm going to keep an eye on that story and just see where it goes. It is 9 o'clock on the Midwest Coast, and we are set to bring you some information. How about some happy headlines? Start your weekend with some good news. Also, a check of sports with Chris Schneider from Lake TV. And if that's not enough, we'll bring in the one, the only, Mr. Dave Maupin, to discuss his most recent edition of Among the Dogwoods. We'll have all of that coming up for you in the 9 o'clock hour on The Daily Show. Thanks to everyone who is tuning in on 89.3, keyradio.live, our free apps for Android and iPhones, and, of course, the SRG Financial Advisors, Key Radio, in-studio, live camera. Getting the picture out to you this morning. You can see what I'm wearing. You can see what I look like. I hope it's not too depressing or disappointing. And uh, you can see uh, Dave Moppin in the studio as well. He'll be with me next, coming up on The Key. It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. The Key. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Let me know what's working. Join us on Facebook. Here's today's story. Susan Pryor snorkels, and this made the news after she went snorkeling in Emily Bay on Norfolk Island, which is located off Australia's eastern coast. She found a ring, a gold wedding band. She knew it was different from the rings she had seen, as it was covered in algae, for one. She usually sees cheap plastic rings from juice and milk bottles. It's sad because it's garbage people have thrown into the waterways. What was really unusual about this gold ring, she said, was the fact that it was being worn by a fish like a collar. It was a sand mullet fish with the gold ring around its neck. Susan sadly sees fish wearing garbage, frequently, the plastic rings, and she's constantly urging people to take care of the environment. However, the gold ring was something new to her. Susan said the ring likely got caught on the fish while it was searching for food on the ocean floor. Sometimes these rings get into the wild, and this is the sad consequence, she explained. Mullets snuffle through the sand looking for food, making it so easy for a ring or hair tie to flip over their nose and get stuck. After snapping photos of the fish, Susan returned to the land, where she remembered that someone had posted on a community social media page earlier that year about a man's wedding ring that had gone missing in the bay. As a turned out, the ring belonged to a man named Nathan Reeves. Reeves lost the piece of jewelry around Christmas while swimming at Emily Bay with his wife, Susie. In order to get the ring back to the couple, Susan said someone will have to catch that fish in a net before carefully removing the object from its neck. It'll be no easy task. The mullet is very skittish and keeps on the edge of the school. No news as to whether the ring has been retrieved, but I'll let you know if I hear of it. I'm just glad there are people out out there watching for the fish and maybe that can be your step today to make someone's day remember the fish and the animals dispose of your garbage properly not a typical happy headline but maybe one to make you think thanks for listening stay happy stay healthy and find a way to make someone's day 
Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-2800-532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. It's a football Friday, and the game of the year is at Camdenton as the Lakers and Lebanon Yellow Jackets go at it. 14-0 between them. Both teams 7-0, ranked in the top 10 in the state, and there's a whole lot on the line. The conference championship, first-round playoff by, and they're both in the same district, so maybe uh, home field playoff advantage as well. Camdenton, Lebanon, you can see the game on Lake TV tonight. The COMC pregame show at 6.15, kickoff at 7 again. Lake TV, the place to be for Camdenton and Lebanon tonight. Osage goes for five in a row at home against Southern Boone. Eldon is at California for sales at home against Booneville tonight. Tomorrow, the hockey season gets underway for the Blues. They're at home against Columbus. Then they'll head out on the road for the next three games with stops against the Kraken, Oilers, and Jets. Now, the Chiefs, of course, won on Monday night. They're 4-1, and one, but, man, they got a tough one coming up this week. It is the Buffalo Bills in town. Chiefs tied with Buffalo for the top record in the AFC. The only undefeated team in the league is Philadelphia, the Eagles. There are five 4-1 teams, of course, the Chiefs and Bills. Cowboys, Giants, Vikings over in the NFC as well. As for college football, both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. Georgia back up to number one in this week's poll. Ohio State is two. Alabama three after just barely beating Texas A&M last week. Clemson and Michigan round out uh, uh, the top five there. As far as baseball, the playoffs continue today. Division series in both the National League and the American League. KB is on TV. You know it. It's called What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. Got to check him out. It's greatness. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget to catch Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's got a whole lot of great trivia for you and so much more. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon on Fire Stick and streaming live all the time on your computer at mylaketv.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present day events. But we take it on face value without 
having any knowledge of why. It, well, it's because the news told us. Join Professor Jim Paisley Thursdays and Saturdays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. for the True History Professor Program on 89.3 The Key. Part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, the key. And right out of the box, that's exactly what I will tell him. And I did. Tell the gadfly to stop squirming in his chair. This is from the Camden County, Missouri Republican Central Committee. Oh, gosh. That's, that's serious. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in here now, folks, so he is at your mercy. Amber, good morning to you as well. Thank you for uh, tuning in. It's great to hear from you. And it's great to be able to welcome in our good friend, Mr. Dave Moppin, the author of Among the Dogwoods. And we'll get down to uh, some serious business here in just a moment. First, we want to update you on the weather forecast. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Great fall weather. Uh, I don't know about you. Have you turned on the heat in your house yet? We just did it this morning. Did you? Yeah. If not turned on the heat, I don't think that is... uh, going to be something we probably do until monday because the forecast what initially looked like uh maybe some mid 50s and some upper 50s has uh, kind of gone in a different direction and i'll update you on that momentarily we are uh, currently enjoying a beautiful day at the lake as we uh, so often do 51 in osage beach 52 in camdenton and uh, we've got a mix of clouds and sun 74 to start uh this mainly sunny start then a few clouds this afternoon, uh, 41 the low tonight with a mostly cloudy sky, then clearing overnight. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow, sunny and 71, sunny and 70 on Sunday, sunny and 51 on Monday with a low of 29 degrees. Tuesday, sunny and 49 with a low of 27, sunny and 54 on Wednesday with a low of 36, and then sunny and 65 on Thursday. Low of 39, fall definitely taking hold here in the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, lots of great uh, great things uh, going on. Uh, I also wanted to take a moment here and mention the uh, red flag warning. And it's So we're not on a beach, so it has nothing to do with the, uh, the surf uh, or anything like that, or riptides, which pr- you're probably a little f- more familiar with that being out on the West Coast. Make preparations per the instructions 
A red flag warning remains in effect from noon today until 8 this evening uh, for low relative humidity levels and gusty wind for fire weather zones. I mean, didn't it just rain? I don't... It doesn't I, make any difference. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought there's, with all the rain... Well, that, uh, that uh, wind, like yesterday, so it's just wind. got in yesterday. We've already got leaves in the garage. Uh, areas affected, southeast Kansas, southwest and central Missouri. Hold on just a second. That was beautiful. That should be a sound effect. You can't record that? We can have that on there. I can. I have to. There's a little card that you put in. <laughs> Similar to. Oh, no. Don't break anything, please. <laughs> no, I, now last week, everything went black on us. There you go. Uh, wind for a Friday, west to southwest at 15 to 25 miles per hour. Uh, gusts of 25 to 35 miles per hour, and I forgot to do this. In addition to putting an extra snap in my toupee, we have to officially um, issue a skirt alert. Humidity 15 to 25%. No thunderstorms expected. Any fires that develop will likely spread rapidly. Outdoor burning is not recommended, so don't do it, Dave Maupin. No outdoor burning. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big outdoor burner. You're not a big outdoor burner? No. Well, that's good news. Paranoid about it. Definitely. Well, see, I lost my house in a fire back in 2012, and so anything, you know, I make sure to unplug things, and I look around. Anybody smoking, I make sure they properly extinguish their cigarette butts and the like. A red flag warning means that critical fire weather conditions are either occurring now or will shortly. A combination of strong winds, low relative humidity, and warm temperatures can contribute to extreme fire behavior. Folks, you know, do yourself and your neighbors a favor. Don't burn anything, please. Or if you're going to burn something, just burn your own house down. Well, don't Don't, do that. Don't burn somebody else's house down. The views expressed by Dave Maupin are not necessarily those of the staff and management of KDYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. It's all about freedom. Those with opposing (laughs) viewpoints are, uh, are, are thoroughly allowed to express them here this morning. There you go. Uh, I told you I don't like you using those when I'm on. <laughs> That's right. That's a good one. We are here in the official capacity of, uh, let's see here. That was some enthusiastic clapping. <laughs> All right, folks, stop now. There we go. Start again. Stop. All right, we're going to have to take that away from you. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, boy, the eyes are on you guys. There's Sean Cover this morning. Ike Skelton checking in. He says, morning. Good morning, Ike. The next presiding commissioner of Camden County. So it's Friday, right? we got big football tonight. Lots of Let's do a little high school football talk. I've been following Osage quite a bit, too. I'm sure you're, you're more in the Camdenton uh, yes, circle. But, uh, you know, I've been to every home game for Osage, and Osage has won four in a row. Osage really turned things around when they took on the undefeated Eldon Mustangs, who were at uh, 3-0. and Huge upset. 28 nothing the final in that game. And they beat Boonville. Boonville came in, and Boonville was having a really good year. Yeah. I, I talked to the fans from Boonville that we were sitting with, and they were shocked that they came in. And Osage pretty much dominated the entire game. Osage could potentially end with a 6-3 and record for the regular season going into the playoffs red hot. Yeah, they've got a, uh, a bunch of running backs that are good. I mean, basically Osage's strategy appears to be uh, a little bit of blitzing on defense and uh, just constantly run the ball. Well, and, and here's the thing about that. 
when you have different running backs with different running styles, yep. it is tough. And then as a coach, as a uh, offensive coordinator, you are able to then modify that style to your particular run game. And so maybe you've got a good runner up the middle. You know, you got a guy that, uh, say, weighs about 220 uh, or something like that. I have to say, when we played West Plains, they had a center. Uh, the kid was about five foot eleven, and he weighed three hundred and sixty pounds, and he was like a tree stump, man, a tree stump. Well, Osage has a, a smaller guy, twenty four, and uh, he's super fast. Yeah. So he, I think, I want to say, he scored like three touchdowns in the last game, yeah. and so he can just rip them off. And then they've got two other guys. Who Is just, he good up the middle or outside? He just squeaks through everywhere. Really, and uh, and then. The uh, they've got two other guys that are a little bit bigger, and they just run. They just tear through the defense. It's, yeah, it's really fun to watch. So I've been enjoying the Osage season this year. And Southern Boone's coming uh, tonight. They lost to Booneville in a close game, and so I think well, it's going to be a pretty good match tonight. Now there's quite a few implications with this Southern Boone team because the Paisley family. Oh yeah has got uh, a vested interest in this Southern Boone team. Now, I'm going to make sure I sit right next to Jim and cheer really Grandma well and Grandpa. That's right. <laughs> their daughter is a cheerleader. Yeah, he's got a cheerleader on that. And I got somebody in the band. <laughs> my, girl, my girl's in the band, so that's why I got It gives me an excuse to watch some football games. So You're not like one of the band parents that you stay, uh, and then when halftime's over, you leave and go home? No. You stay for the whole thing? We got to give her a ride home. So I mean, she does the dance team, too, so... Outstanding. Also, she, like she's said, in the band and a member of the dance team. Yeah, so she has to wear. So dance she's team. basically the whole halftime show. She has to wear a dance team uniform when she's playing the band, and then she goes and dances. Very nice. But yeah, the team's great. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Defense has been pretty good too. A lot of turnovers, and it's it's been fun. It'll be a, a heck of a game tonight at uh, Bob Shore Stadium, the JOD, where yeah. we will see. None other than the uh, two undefeated teams, the Lebanon Yellow Jackets, who. Are, have always been a thorn in the side of the Camdenton Lakers. And, of course, uh, a Camdenton team that has found the word resiliency to be one of the key factors of their overall uh, attack. They've been doing really well in all three facets, offense, defense, and special teams. Now, you've got a young man in Bear Shore who's about six foot four, six foot five, and he has done a lot of strength training, I think, since about his sophomore year and freshman season, beginning of, of his sophomore season. He was injured last year. He is playing injury-free this year. And when they do a quarterback draw and they give the ball to him and he surveys the field, and he does, he goes through all of his uh, progressions as far as his receivers, and then he decides he wants to tuck the ball and run. Now, for a lot of head coaches, to see your quarterback out there running that's pretty scary because you don't want him to get hurt. But this kid knows how to run the ball and has scored some touchdowns. As a matter of fact, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, he had the most rushing yards last week against Hillcrest. Uh, however, when it comes time to tackle this kid, yeah, good luck. There's it, it. You know, on occasion, you know, one guy can get him, but more than likely, he has to be gang tackled. You've got some competent receivers, some great receivers. And the thing about the spread that they run is their receivers have learned how to block. Once another receiver catches the ball, the other receivers then turn into linemen, basically. Right. And they've got a good, uh, they've got this uh, uh, trio of brothers, the Dernans, and the Dernan boys. Now, what was interesting 
is so uh, we had a Dernan to Dernan touchdown. We had the brother playing quarterback. We had the brother being the receiver. And then uh, the point after, the PAT, is Dernan's the long snapper. Dernan's the holder. Dernan's the kicker. (laughs) So essentially seven points were scored by Dernan's. Dernan to Dernan, then Dernan, Dernan, and Dernan. That's right. That's a, that's a, that's a good deal. And, uh, you know, the future looks bright because uh, some of these kids are going to be around later on. But I have to say, overall, you, you look at this team defensively, and you have to really be happy with the way these kids are playing and what they are uh, doing because they played that game against, uh, it was, uh, I guess it was uh, Hillcrest. Not Hillcrest, but uh, Kickapoo. And uh, sorry, folks, I don't know why it's kicking everybody off, but I'm here. So if you want to call back, please do that. And they got behind, and they dug themselves out of a hole, and they ended up winning like 24-21. They beat uh, beat Kickapoo. They beat uh, Rolla Handley. They uh, came from behind to beat Kickapoo. They beat Waynesville. They beat um, West Plains. Uh, Parkview. Yeah, they're undefeated, right, Camden? And Hillcrest. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is is they're done on the road. All of their road games for the regular season. The last one was last Friday down in Springfield and Hillcrest. And what's amazing is they played so well on the road, which I think kind of gives you the confidence when you're playing at home. We'll have to see how that uh, plays out tonight. And, uh, of course, uh, Hillcrest gave them a bit of a scare to start the game last week. They marched down the field. They played Laker football against the Lakers mm-hmm. on offense and defense. And it was pretty amazing to watch as these young men adjusted. And that's the thing. They don't give up. They're resilient. They don't Because sometimes when you're watching a high school football game, you can almost see where the will of the team breaks. Uh, the Rolla game, for example. On two separate occasions, and I've never seen an official do this, uh, a couple of the Rolla players got a little little too uh, wound up, and the white hat came over and literally escorted them off the field, and not just walking alongside them. He had the player by the arm and walked them over to you know, the, the sideline. And uh, then it, it was frustrating for him, and I get that, but... It was an amazing contest, and the Lakers have been, uh, you know, watching this team develop. You wish, for some strange reason, that you could keep some of these kids around, like some of these graduating seniors. And that's another thing that really plays a major part in a high school football team. That's the senior leadership. Because the coaches, of course, want the kids to play and practice hard and, and, and play well and everything. But these senior leaders are somewhat conduits, if you will, that help the coaches convey the information, certainly to some of the younger players. Right. And it's amazing to watch these kids. Well, especially with Bear Shore, you consider he's a coach's kid, you know. So, I mean, he's been – his dad has obviously got a long tradition within the program. And so, I mean, you've got a guy right there who's going to be a well, natural Well, the coach's dad team. coached. Right. And then the coach, or the, as a player, then he coaches – he's coaches uh, their son – 
Bo played, and now their son Bear is playing. And yeah. this is the end of the shores. Yeah, I mean, it's it a all great. Comes to a, 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 a conclusion. It's it's a great season, I think, for local football because, like I said, uh, Camdenton's obviously having a real great season now that Bear's healthy. And uh, but yeah, Osage is playing great too. And even though Osage runs a lot, it's not one of these just two yards, three yards. I mean, they rip off sixty-yard runs, yeah. you know, six fifty-five-yard runs, and so it's. Uh, they can eat a lot of the clock up, and they're they're also good on special teams. They're blocking punts, and so. well, when you when you have a team like the Lakers, that have uh, opened up some leads over some other teams, then you get the guys, the second teamers, to be able to come in and play and get that much needed experience playing in an actual game, not just uh, you know at practice. Right. But then they get the time to play against an opponent. They line up against somebody they've never lined up across from before. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to just watching. I mean, I, I played high school football, and, you know, I, I played, but I also spent my share of time on the sideline. And I always remember the coach would turn around and, if something went bad on the field, he'd be yelling at us because we're all right next to him. And I'm oh, like, sure. I'm like, I'm not out there. <laughs> like you're yelling at the wrong. Like he's like, why don't you guys ever know the play? Like this is not the way the plays. And I'm like, uh, coach, I'm on the sideline. Like you're, you're yelling at the wrong guys. The guys you want to be yelling at are out there. Well, uh, and and we've done this now. The guys that I'm with over on 93.5, we've done this for 13 years, and so we've seen. You know, three, four, five, six generations of of these players come through, and it's been amazing to watch. What's really kind of exciting to me sometimes is when they graduate to see where they go and where they end up. But uh, a lot of the uh, guys that played with my son, I see them today, and they still come up and refer to me as sir, right? And very respectful, and 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 I think that's another aspect of it. You learn to play football. You learn to catch and pass and, and, and do all the various things necessary. But they teach respect. They teach character. And, you know, you get in trouble. You don't get to play. Yeah. It's or just, you have to run. Yes. I always remember we'd be running those hills, and the last guy would run, and there was a chain-link fence at the bottom, and some idiot would be tired, and he would hit the chain-link fence, and then they'd make us run like 20, or make us run all the lines on the field. That was always fun. Did they ever do that with you? We have to run every line on the football. There's a lot of lines. You don't realize how many lines there are in that field until they make you run them all. But yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I think Osage is, is going to be fun this year, and they're, they're, they've been very entertaining. Maybe work on the containment on defense on the edges a little bit. That seems to be one of the places that teams are taking advantage of us. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Jim Paisley already cheering for Southern Boone. Go uh, Southern Boone Eagles. Cheer for the cheerleaders, Jim. You don't have well, to cheer for the whole team. Well, he's got a grandson that plays. Oh, is he playing on that team? Um, is he on no, the he's, he's, he's a young guy yet. He's okay. he's still coming up through the ranks. We'll see. But he's showing a lot of promise. It's going to be a grudge match. We'll see. I'll be. I'll he try to. His, sit, I'm going to try to sit right behind Jim the entire time. He scored his first touchdown and got his first deer all in the same week. That's a Missouri success story right there. Right there. We could probably attribute um, attribute that to the fine breeding stock of which he came. You know. Well, he married well. We could say that about Jim. Yes. <laughs> yes. His lovely, his lovely bride. So uh, you usually bring me on the, to not discuss dissect high school football. Uh-huh. So, but I do have some Camden County. Well, why don't we we're, we're getting close to the bottom of the hour? Okay. So why don't we save that? Okay. And we will talk about that on the other side of the bottom of the hour break because we are at nine twenty-seven 
I'd like to know if uh, you and the other members of the Know Nothings have had any kind of an organizational meeting to prepare for tomorrow night's uh, Medical Missions for Christ Trivia Challenge. Well, uh, I have been reading a lot, this, and, and, but I wanted to know, is, can you give us any intel? Like, what are the categories? Do you know what the categories are for the trivia? Oh, your basic trivia categories. I mean, with, with Jim on the team and me on the team. There'll be some religious questions. Anything Bible related, anything in, that happened in the year 1840, I think we've got down. Uh-huh. Like I'm thinking with Jim and I between 1810 and 1890, uh-huh. if there's a category like that, we're going to, we're going to kill it. That's exciting. Uh, and we're relying on Gohagen for all the current events and uh-huh. entertainment news. So, so is that kind of his thing? He says it is. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, everybody talks of being game until you actually get it. I think there. there'll be some music trivia in there. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be different this year. Instead of actually hearing the audio from the song, I'm going to be singing oh, the song. That's going to make it challenging. Just call me Angel of the Morning. See, right away, I don't know. Angel. I mean, I recognize the song, I but can't I don't tell know. you because <laughs> that may be one of the uh, musical snippets that you have to identify tomorrow night. But come out, and uh, folks, you can still get your tickets, uh, I think, up to, like, I don't know, Maybe three, four o'clock today at uh, Medical Missions for Christ, which is located in the same building as the Camden County Health Department on North Business Five, right next to the uh, uh, Lake Regional Hospital Clinic. Or you can pay like an extra five bucks. I think it's fifteen dollars in advance, twenty dollars at the door. This is their major fundraiser, and then they're going to have silent auction items. So I expect you to go home. And Monica's coming, right? I think she's coming. Give Monica the credit card, turn her loose in the silent auction area, and uh, you'll be helping out this uh, great organization. Because, like I said, this is their major fundraiser, Dave, and, and they need the money. So, Well, Monica's a careful spender. You want me out there. I'm, I'm more of the, the, the wild one when it comes to buying things. So, Well, we'll have opportunities uh, tomorrow night for folks to enjoy a meal and also to uh, check out the silent auction items and then get involved in trivia. But I, I, I as far as my part in all of this and i just want to make this clear up front you're going to be you're going to be biased right i'm, I'm hoping for some bias and the question goes to the know nothings <laughs> because they slipped me a hundred dollars under the table and no one saw it anyway, american civil war war <laughs> for the win for the win alex um i i want everyone to know i have nothing to do with the questions or the answers and as carolyn uh, said when she was in here that they have used the sources, at least two sources, to verify the answers, and Wikipedia was not one of them. We're bringing in an attorney in case we have to file an appeal. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to break for some information, and in doing so, we'll let you know that on the other side of that information, we'll actually talk among the dog wizards with Dave Moppin. Any uh, teaser that you can give the folks at this point? Yeah, it's going to be about property tax and oh. what's been going on with the special road districts. All right. Well, we will talk about that after we get some happy headlines and also an opportunity for you to hear from Chris Schneider with the check of sports. We were talking high school football, and uh, he will talk a little bit more about it. And your phone calls are welcome at 573-633-5395 as we are broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. It is The Daily Show on Key Radio. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Yeah. 
that's that sums it up. Here's today's story. Graham Nesbitt managed the local skating arena in Seaforth, Ontario. He routinely went above and beyond the call of duty, opening the rink early, staying late, and even in the face of snowstorms, he ensured neighborhood kids could get in as many hours on the ice as possible. Bonnie O'Reilly has two sons, and they skated there, and Graham kept an eye on them. They both went on to play in the NHL. Now Graham has retired from the rink. He retired in 2003, but people remember people that are good people. And when the community learned that Graham needed a kidney donation, they lined up to be tested to see if they might be a match. One of those people was Bonnie. Graham was diagnosed with Berger's disease nine years ago, a progressive condition that lessens the kidney's ability to filter blood. By 2019, the medication keeping his illness under check was no longer working. A kidney transplant became the 65-year-old's only option for survival. Bonnie was a match. She said to CBC, What you've done for my boys, helping them achieve their goal of playing professional hockey, it's the least we can do. The transplant took place just a couple of weeks ago on March 3rd. Both patients came through the procedure in good form and were soon on their way to recovery. Graham's wife, Pam, was deeply touched by Bonnie's generosity. She posted her thanks on Facebook. From our family to you and yours, Bonnie, thank you for the gift of a lifetime. Your selfless act means more than you'll ever know. Something my dad's always taught me is to be kind and helpful and generous to everybody, Joe Nesbitt told CBC. It just goes to show that those thoughtful acts and caring for people, it pays off. It truly paid off for my dad, and it saved his life. Yep, yep. Not, not a little thing, thing. and not, not just a just day, day, but definitely a happy headline. That is awesome. Hey, this is Happy Headlines. Thank you for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. It's a football Friday, and the game of the year is at Camdenton as the Lakers and Lebanon Yellow Jackets go at it. 14-0 between them. Both teams 7-0, ranked in the top 10 in the state, and there's a whole lot on the line. The conference championship, first-round playoff bye, and they're both in the same district, so maybe uh, home field playoff advantage as well. Well, Camdenton, Lebanon, you can see the game on Lake TV tonight. The COMC pregame show at 6.15, kickoff at 7 again. Lake TV, the place to be for Camdenton and Lebanon tonight. Osage goes for five in a row at home against Southern Boone. Eldon is at California for sales at home against Booneville tonight. Tomorrow, the hockey season gets underway for the Blues. They're at home against Columbus. Then they'll head out on the road for the next three games with Stop against the Kraken, Oilers, and Jets. 
Now, the Chiefs, of course, won on Monday night. They're 4-1, and one, but, man, they got a tough one coming up this week. It is the Buffalo Bills in town. Chiefs tied with Buffalo for the top record in the AFC. The only undefeated team in the league is Philadelphia, the Eagles. There are five 4-1 and one teams, of course, the Chiefs and Bills. Cowboys, Giants, Vikings over in the NFC as well. As for college football, both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. Georgia back up to number one in this week's poll. Ohio State is two. Alabama three after just barely beating Texas A&M last week. Clemson and Michigan round out uh, the top five there. As far as baseball, the playoffs continue today. Division series in both the National League and the American League. KB is on TV. You know it. It's called What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. Got to check him out. It's greatness. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget to catch Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's got a whole lot of great trivia for you and so much more. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon. On Fire Stick and streaming live all the time on your computer at mylaketv.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. I'm Bill Mundhausen for Creation Expo. A chapter of my book begins with the assertion that one of us is crazy. It refers to the culture conflict taking place in America today. We're divided politically into right wing or left, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and progressives. Each side thinks the other is crazy because what the other side believes seems completely irrational to us. I would assert that the foundational division is between those who believe in God and those who don't. Believers see God's guidance and providence while non-believers depend on movements and causes to direct society's progress. Believers advocate morality and discipline while non-believers want a society without limitations. There is no middle ground. The question is what believers ought to believe. We need to understand different ways of thinking while also remaining true to our principles. We need to be peacemakers while also seeking to prevail. We need to save the lost rather than become lost ourselves. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. The goal of Key Radio is to offer the community an opportunity to share information and to express their ideas and opinions. Key Radio presents a platform for all types of information. We encourage interested content providers to create podcasts that explain the finer points of business, family issues, arts and entertainment, religion, government, and more. Key Radio is also looking for unique and one-of-a-kind podcasts as well. Key Radio is based on positive and productive podcasts that encourage and inspire our listeners to become engaged in their community. For more information on becoming a content provider, call 573-280-0532 or go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. 
It's your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. Right back here at 939, and we are having a beautiful Wonderful, moving experience with our guest, Dave Maupin. 54 <laughs> degrees in Osage Beach, 52 in Camdenton, 74 the high, 41 the low. And then a beautiful weekend ahead with uh, low 70s for us on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, get this, low 50s on Monday, uh, upper 40s on Tuesday, mid 50s on Wednesday. But uh, plenty of sunshine and just some great weather. However, there is a red flag warning in effect until about 8 o'clock tonight. They are encouraging folks around that. Now, what you do on your own is your own business, you know? So if you decide to burn something, that's completely and totally up to you. However, I will und- I will, I will uh, pass this along that there is a red flag warning in effect. High winds, low humidity, and the conditions are relatively good. If that fire gets away from you, that it will spread and spread in a hurry. So when you're standing there with a hose in your hand trying to put out a, a blaze that is engulfed about, uh, you know, maybe two or three acres, and the fire department pulls up, you've got some splaining to do. Yeah, that's not great. Dave Moppin with a check of Among the Dogwoods. What, uh, what's going on there? Yeah, so there was a. Th- this has been a topic before. We'd mentioned before that the uh, commission had decided that they were going to uh, do an audit of right. the collector's office, uh-huh. and that was based on complaints from the special road districts that they were not did not feel they were getting the revenue that they were supposed to be getting. And so, at the October 11th meeting, they had this one over in the Justice Center. Uh, which was a different thing for me because you can't bring your cell phone into the Justice Center, and that's usually what I use all my note-taking on. So after after pleading with the deputy who just refused <laughs> to let me do it, uh, I had to run out to my truck, borrow a piece of paper, and actually, folks, I had to write this one down old school, like just both sides. I'm not complaining, but it was, it was a lot of writing. Um, so uh, Horseshoe Bend Road District was there. Uh, Osage Beach Road District was there. Uh, a representative from City of Osage Beach was also present. And the gist of what the complaint is, is that they feel like they've been getting uh, their revenue. It's been slowly going down over the past several years. And they don't understand why that's happening since we don't feel that property tax has gone down over the last several years. And it's a percentage of property tax. They also weren't weren't happy with the uh, 20% service fee that they're being charged by the county to collect the property tax and then distribute it to them. So... Just to explain to people, um, there's an 11 cent levy per hundred dollars of assessed value for roads. Uh, the Horseshoe Bend gets their share of that because obviously they're maintaining the roads on Horseshoe Bend. Camden County Road and Bridge doesn't have to do any maintenance over there, so the idea is they get their 11 cents. Osage Beach Special Road District gets their 11 cents for the area that they cover because again, that that's for their mileage and the roads that they have, and. On top of that, a 20% service charge was being charged. So they weren't really getting $0.11 cents per, per $100. Mm-hmm. They were actually getting more around $0.09. Cents. So it's kind of weird that the fee would be charged on that since it's basically just a basic cost of money that they're supposed to get for that road. Uh, what the collector does is the collector collects all the property taxes, and then the collector's job is then to distribute those to the tax entities. Uh, they they distribute it directly to the hospital or to the uh, school districts and to the library districts. They then send the rest of the money over to the treasurer, 
with a breakdown of how it's supposed to be distributed, and then the treasurer is supposed to send that money out to the road districts and the other places. Um, people know that uh, there is, obviously, Horseshoe Bend gets more money because the, the voters in Horseshoe Bend also voted to have a special levy that's $0.35 cents per, per $100 uh, of assessed value. So, in effect, while most of the county's areas are being... Uh, uh, maintained with that 11 cent levy in Horseshoe Bend, it's 46 cents. 11 cents plus the 35 that they voted as an additional levy. So th the good news is the admin fee wasn't being uh, placed on the 35 cent levy. It's only being placed on the 11 cent levy. So the attorney from uh, Horseshoe Bend mentioned that, you know, it didn't have to be 20%. You know, people were talking about it, it could vary. But what the attorney did mention is he said, it has to actually reflect what you're what you're spending to to process the money. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just say we're going to charge you twenty percent of the property tax. You have to explain why you need that money. Like, is do you have a clerk that's devoted to that job? Is that all he or she does? So mm -hmm. maybe that's why you could justify the money. You can't just say arbitrarily it's going to be twenty percent. We're going to charge you guys. Right. Because anyone hears twenty percent, that jumps out. That's a pretty high percentage that's just coming off the top. So um, so the big thing is. They affirmed that they're going to do the audit. Commissioner Gohagen um, recommended that they waive that admin fee for the Horseshoe Bend Road District until they can figure out what's going on. So the good news is currently they're not going to be paying the 20%. They're paying nothing, and the collector's just going to collect and, and then distribute it. And and so then they also, Osage Beach Road District was then like, well, <laughs> what about us? Uh, but they weren't on the agenda, so actually at the Thursday meeting, they also voted to to waive that fee for the Osage Beach Special Road District and for Osage Beach City. Uh, so it looks like there's only two special road districts in the county. Osage Beach is one, but like I said, they're only getting their 11-cent levy. They get the regular road levy. While Horseshoe Bend is one also, it gets an extra, so it's getting the extra money. Um, they they quoted a statute, so the the question came up then, at the Thursday meeting, you know, people were asking, well, where does this 20% coming from? And it was kind of crazy because nobody could justify the statute that says they're allowed to charge 20%. We looked up and found a statute, and the statute basically said that uh, they can charge 3%, and if you're a third-class county, you can charge 5%. So it's the, the real problem, I think, for this is that People are charging things, and they don't know why they're doing it. They don't know the justification. They, they can't point to a statute or a regulatory rule that, that says, here's why we're going to charge this amount of money. So uh, it looks like it might be a big overcharge. And then you think back, how many years have they been charging the road districts this 20% service fee? So, but, but based on research that we've done in the statutes, it looks like it's actually going to be 3%. So let's hope that that actually gets, uh, gets reduced. Let's see. We did a. Uh, they also renewed the uh, contract for the medical examiner at this meeting. Uh, it's going to be two hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. I believe it pays for thirty-eight autopsies. So basically, we contract for the medical examiner from Southwest right. Forensics. Mm -hmm. So the idea is they do. A, it pays for a certain number of autopsies. After that, we have to pay as we go. The last contract I think was twenty-one hundred dollars per autopsy over the limit. I mean, it's kind of a gruesome way to think about county finances, but I guess that's what we have to do. Uh, and also, if there's some kind of mass casualty event, that's not covered, so we have to pay extra. So so we, we use Southwest Forensics for our medical examiner. We contract that out. EMA came in with a grant. The grant is going to pay 50% of their operating expenses. That was approved. 
And then they basically went over the, the request for quotes, try to get an auditor. So the big thing is that they're going to try to get a, uh, decide who they're going to hire to do this audit to try to figure out what's going on and where, where the issues are. Right. And I, I don't think anyone's saying that anything criminal is happening here, uh, but it seems like somebody needs to take a, a good look at what's going on and figure out if there's uh, something wrong with the numbers or the percentages or, you know, it, it, the, the challenge I think the collector faces is, yeah, property tax bills go out. Uh -huh. They collect the majority of the property tax between November and January, right? Because right. people are mailing in their properties, right. their personal property and their real estate property money. So here you have an office that, that gets swamped from November to January, which is also the time that it's the hardest to get people to want to work because they have Thanksgiving and Christmas. Usually that's when people are starting to slow down a little bit for the holidays. Meanwhile, the collector's office is getting slammed because that's when all their all the stuff is coming in. Right. And they, there's actually a requirement that they have to turn that stuff around by the 15th of each month. So those payments need to be coming out. And so the challenge for the road districts is they're going to get almost all their money between November and February, and then they have to budget for the rest of the year. They might get small payments during like June or July or August, but that's obviously just property tax. It's kind of trickling in at the end, you know, like people paying late, or maybe they, they just registered a car, uh -huh. and they get, or they're, they decide they're going to stay here, so they're going to pay their personal property tax. So it is tricky because she does get hammered between those like four months when all the money's rolling in. Now, didn't they, they implement some new form of software uh, that was another issue. Ike was kind of talking about that on Wednesday, that that may have uh, been something that uh, lended itself to the issues or problems they're having. So they implemented this software back in like 2018. Something yeah, there was like a big state audit in 2018 that right. did not go well right. for the county. Right. And then they uh, they implemented a software system where they improved the software system they had so that they could kind of keep better track of processing all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, we know property tax has not gone down. And if the levy rates stayed the same, you would think that the money going to the road districts would either be the same or more as time went on. Instead, they're saying that they're getting less. So we just have to figure out why that's happening and what the issue is there. So, oh, the other thing was, uh, Commissioner Hasty did talk about the 2018 state audit and he basically said it was, he felt it was a whitewash. Like, uh, you know, that they had, he he had he had researched other audits that had been done, and he said that a lot of the language was word for word the same as in other audits. So he felt like maybe uh, they had overlooked things, or and it was interesting because I hadn't really ever heard someone who was the subject of an audit complaining that the audit was not as thorough as they would have liked. Usually people are relieved when the audit's over. But yeah, so he didn't seem to have much confidence in the audit that was conducted. Mm -hmm. uh, but the collector has said that she is abiding by all the recommendations that were made by the 2018 state audit. So now it's just a question of maybe somebody's got some numbers wrong or there's issues going on with that. We really don't know. So that's, that's kind of what's happening there. We had a meeting on Thursday, uh, and this was the one where they also waived the Osage Beach special road district fees and the Osage Beach City uh, fees. Uh, and so there was more talk about it. And this is, again, where we, I mentioned that the people were asking, where did this 20% number come from? And no one in the room, not the county attorney, not the treasurer, not the collector, not the tax assessor, nobody knew where this 20% service fee number has come from. So no one knows. So, like I said, the only thing we could find said 3%. Well, somebody better find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 3%, you're like, okay, that, that sounds reasonable. Right. But, like, 20%, that's just nuts. So, 
then nothing big else, else besides that. There were September tax abatements that were approved. Uh, the holiday schedule was approved. Uh, they're going to keep the SURF contribution the same. That's one of the pensions that they have. Uh, some requests for tax surplus came in, and that was approved. And I guess there was a new CD. The treasurer was going to move some money to a new CD. Um, but, yeah, so that was the big thing. Big topic has been road district. And so that's been the issue as far as, uh, you know, what's going on with that money going into it. So I'm I'm glad to know it's not the 35% because that would be infuriating for people that live in four seasons. Sure. Special levy was being skimmed. Um, But even then, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Like Camden Camden County Road and Bridge is already busy. So it's nice that they have special road districts that can do some of that maintenance themselves. Mm -hmm. And so... That's where that 11 cents is supposed to go to, because of the fact that Road and Bridge at Horseshoe Bend is taking care of those roads. And, and Camden County, they don't have to turn left onto HH. You know, they can just drive right back down and handle the rest of the county. Uh, there's, it doesn't seem reasonable that you would be cutting, shaving so much off that, that tax levy that they're getting for taking the, care of those roads for Camden County. Comments include, thank goodness we have Dave keeping tabs on this for us. Well, it's not just me. I mean, this is much And us. can he go to Washington for us? <laughs> no, no, thanks. I, I'll stay here. I'll stay. I don't know if that's Jim or his wife. <laughs> his wife has requested that I don't sing anymore, and just for that reason alone. No. For the last four minutes of the program, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna sing some uh, a medley. Well, i got to go. Uh, this is a great show. Oh, man. <laughs> Dave, you know, I, 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 I guess I really can't count on you to watch my back. It's called honesty. A good friend, is, a good friend is an honest friend. Is such a lonely word. Yeah. The the other thing is they're going through a lot of budget stuff, and I wanted to go to some of the budget meetings, but like a little uh, insight into the life of among the dogwoods, the gadfly. Uh, we only have one car, so because Monica, we're still getting Monica's car fixed. I can't go down there because she has to pick up the kids. So, sorry, folks, it's real life problems. These are, but, but one of the things that came up I wanted to talk about real quick too was uh, for the sheriff's budget. Um, you know, the sheriff's pay. We might have talked about it before, but, you know, basically you have a system where the, the deputies, they got their pay raises. Mm-hmm. There was a quarter cent sales tax that went through. Right. If you do, uh, if you figure uh, the county has been doing a little bit at or north of about a billion dollars in sales a year. So that 25 cent sales tax is bringing in about $2.5 million. And that, that's the LEST2. Mm-hmm. It's not the LEST, which is shared among some of those agencies, both of them quarter cent sales taxes. But the $2.5 million was supposed to be to expand the sheriff's office and to give raises to the deputies. And the, the latter was definitely the thing that was the big focus because everyone agreed that the deputies were underpaid. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I think that, that there needs to be a little bit, and I've talked to Tony about it, I think there needs to be a little reform in the way the sheriff's pay system works. Mm-hmm. Uh, a standard for police departments is that you have a step system. So a deputy would be, you might have deputy step one through deputy step five. Each step is like a 5% raise. So a deputy might start at step one, and then each year as they work, they move up to step two or step three or step four. And that gives you where, so a deputy at step one would be making $20 an hour. And then a deputy at step five would be making maybe $24 an hour. So this gives them, they know exactly how much they're going to get based on time. They can plan ahead and say, okay. And so 
it also allows you to hire people in. If someone comes in with a lot of experience, like a lateral, you don't have to pay them what you would pay a deputy who just came straight out of the academy. You could tell the guy, I'm gonna, we're going to pay you and start you as a deputy step three. Mm-hmm. So now you're making $22 an hour instead of $20 an hour. Um, the other issue I see is, you know, uh, sergeants on a department are probably some of the most important employees you can have. Uh, they're the frontline supervisors that are out there. They're the, basically the direct representative of the chief or the sheriff on scene at a call. Make sure that policies are being followed. Uh, answer questions from the officers. They're there to train. Sergeants should make more money than the deputies. It should be a, a significant bump over that. Like a, usually a sergeant should be making 5 to 10% more than a, a top step deputy. Um, Another system that we used to have is called bonus positions. So if you were going to be a detective or you were going to be a uh, canine officer or some specialty assignment like a motor, you would get what's called a bonus. So you would be like a, it was like a 10% bump to, to take that spot because the idea is that requires a lot more effort and mm-hmm. training and experience to get to those spots. Right. So it's kind of a reward for getting that. And so that's what I would say. I would say move the deputies to a step system for pay. Uh, make sure that the sergeants and supervisors are making at least 10% more. In fact, in, when I worked for L.A. County, they had something called the Golden Goose System, where the the steps were high enough in longevity. They also had longevity bonuses. So at like five years in, you got a 5% bump. Ten years in, you got a 10, 5% bump. Um, so you could be a new sergeant and have a guy working in your squad who actually made more money than you. So, But the rule was you had to make 5% more than any person that you were supervising. So sometimes you would get this old crusty detective on your in your unit that had like 25 years on the job and was top step, and he'd be making more than you. We would call those guys the golden goose because then you would put in your paperwork and he would actually give you a raise because <laughs> you, you had to make 5% more than that guy. So when it came to guys getting transferred, people would be like, oh, you know, I want Johnson on my squad. Everyone knows that Johnson has like 30 years on the job and is a top step detective. His supervisor would be fighting to keep him because he knew if he lost Johnson, his pay would go down. He's like, they'd be like, he's like, that's my golden goose. You can't take Johnson. Like, I need that guy on my squad. <laughs> well, I think uh, you'd have to make it a little bit more convincing than just the fact that uh, without him, your pay your pay goes down. Oh, that's a pretty strong what, argument. What, <laughs> what, what are you? Well, that's true, but I'm just saying, you know. How do you legitimize that to the chief, uh, Johnson? Let's talk about Johnson's skill set a little bit. Uh, you know, what is he? What is he really good at? You're like, I can manage him. Don't worry, I can handle him. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess maybe it's a reward for having to handle the crustiest and oldest detective on the squad. I guess they can be like a, a little cantankerous. Yeah. So, and and so, there, if there's a question of where the money is available, one of the things I've noticed about the department is the department has a lot of take-home cars. Like almost everybody has a take-home car. Right. Uh, we didn't have take-home cars. We only had take-home cars if you had to respond. I think if you were a member of the LAPD, you don't necessarily want a take-home no, car. That is also true. <laughs> uh, but we would hot-seat cars. So you had patrol cars that were, went out to the field. You drove to the station, put your uniform on, and you took over cars from the shift ahead of you. You know, So we would just rotate the cars through like that. Because the problem is if you have a ton of vehicles, a vehicle is probably $60,000. Mm-hmm. Well, that $60,000 could have been instead spent on giving more pay to the deputies, you know? So you figure $60,000 is about $25 more an hour to someone, $5 an hour more to five deputies. Mm-hmm. And the, the difference for the deputies is, yeah, it's nice to have a take home car. And I'm sure they appreciate that's a, that's a perk that they like. But if you were getting $5 more an hour instead, that goes towards your pension, 
Like it's the, not like you can run to the store in that if you have to. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to, but who knows? I've, I've got plenty of stories about what my guys <laughs> use their take-home cars for. Uh, one guy we had using his take-home car, he was working as a private investigator, and he was... Uh, he had one of these jobs where he'd follow trucks around to make sure they're driving safely, except he was using his take-home car to do it. Nice. And so when the internal affairs investigated him, he had already, because he would videotape the trucks, they had like all the evidence that he was doing it because he was videoing the whole thing. Uh, and they would see the mileage. He would come back after the weekend with yeah. his truck. He put like a thousand miles on his car and he was off. Drove to Las Vegas. He was off for Had some surveillance days. work to do. Dave Maupin, we thank you, sir, for your time as always and uh, for being ever vigilant and keeping an eye on uh, what goes on, not just with the Camden County Commission, but uh, some other areas of importance as well. I know the listeners certainly appreciate that. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. I will. I'll see you uh, tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow night at the Medical Missions for Christ Trivia Challenge. And, of course, we've got to the Food Truck Festival going on at the Lori Fairgrounds on Saturday and Sunday. And tomorrow it's Suits for Soldiers at the Elks Lodge. Starts at 9, runs until Two. Have a great weekend, folks, and thanks for listening to 89.3 KEYK Osage Beach, Missouri.